Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod brought to you as usual by our good friends at Guinness. Our Dublin Live show has sold out, so don't delay getting your tickets for our Cardiff show with Andy Powell on the 5th of March ahead of the England v Wales game. There are still tickets left for that one, so go and check out eventbrite.co.uk if you fancy coming along. And as always, a big thanks to Guinness for their support. Don't forget if you're in Asia, you can watch all the Guinness Six Nations games on Rugby Pass this weekend. They also have all the Super Rugby Premiership. Guinness Pro 14 and Champions Cup action for the rest of the season in various parts of the world. Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We're joined in studio this week ahead of the England v Ireland Guinness Six Nations clash by a friend of the show and former Ireland international Darren Cave. How are you mate? Can you just introduce him properly? This is not the first time. It's not the first time. DC 13 228. Do you want to introduce yourself? (laughs) I got somebody tweeted me to say they'd changed my Wikipedia page uh, and like actual birth name to DC 13 229 Cave. Yes. Which is not actually true. You told me originally that you were the record holder. Yeah. But true. It's the shared Mm. record holder, right? Yeah, listen, let's not, let's not get bogged down with fine print. <laughs> How are you, pal? I'm good. I've been um, been busy boy. Been was in Dubai. I did a bit of celeb spotting. Oh, on the on the ruggers front. Oh. It was really celeb. I weren't there. I weren't there that week. We'll get on to it. I'm sure. Saw a big die young on the pole. What, mate, why call him big? It's just die young. His name's die young. No, no, he's massive. <laughs> In the budgie smugglers at the pool. Oh my cashew! Oh, how big? <laughs> Very mate. Big man. We we can get on to that, can't we? Because it's always good at wasps. Wiggy was there as well. Richard Wigglesworth, yes. He was there. Yeah. Um, hello. With Die Young. Uh, yeah, for the sake of the story, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brad Barrett, he was there. Yeah. Okay. Didn't say hello, but just walked past. He knew you. We both nodded. The nod. Do you know when, like, Jim, when you see someone, like, when you see someone like O'Connell now, and there's just that nod of, like, two freaking legends of the game, you've yes. gone toe-to-toe, two of the greats, and you just... I know that nod. So Barrett gave me one of those, and I was like, yep, tip of the slipper to you too, me old mate. All right, there you go. When have you had that nod? Never. Lo- loads. Anyone in particular? David Beckham once. <laughs> <laughs> shit, I, t- I was at So Farmhouse, mate. He looked at me, I looked at him, and we nodded our heads up. All right, Jim. Um, what we should say is a big shout out and congratulations to producer Tim. Absolutely. Who is now a father. I mean, good luck to you. And he had a two stone baby come through yesterday. Nine, was what it? was it? Nine pound nine or something? Nine like pound that. nine. Ah, wearing a Absolute. gilet. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Wearing unit. a gilet. Came out in the baggy jeans as well that he wears. Yes, it was. So, congratulations <laughs> yeah. to producer Tim. I mean, how big's big? I don't know. I mean, it's a baby girl as well. So, we're revealing the news. It's a baby girl and uh, she's a big girl. I mean, that got me thinking. How big were you, Goody, when you came out? Do you know? <laughs> I, I mean, you ain't slid out, let's be honest. <laughs> be careful what you say now about uh, Miss Good. Okay, that's fine. Well, what, uh, how much do you weigh? I, I don't know. How much do I weigh now? No, how much did you weigh when you come out? I, I've got no idea. Two stone, um, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> no. I, I think I was about a seven pounder. No chance. You wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't as big as you'd expect. This is self-inflicted. No, I've grown, oh, it is, yeah. It is. I've he re- grown into this body okay. voice. What do you think I was? Deluded? Twelve pounds. You were like one of those. No, no, no. My mum's. You were like one of those puppies with the big feet, the big ears that had to grow under that them. I'd me. say that feet was, and ears so everywhere. Cute. So cute. So, com- so comparing this, the twins. Yeah. My, my twins were born at four pound four and four pound fourteen. So combined, Tim's baby's heavier than the twins when they were born. It was wearing a gilet. Oh, the one. Yeah, it was like, wearing a gilet. Yeah, it was wearing a Congrats, Tim. We miss you. Get some sleep. And don't, Good luck. Be, and don't be angry next time you come to the pod because you've had no sleep and the baby's crying. How was your weekend, guys? As event for Tim's or what have you been up to? Oh, I was at the big one. Scarlet's against hashtag always Edinburgh. I've got a question about that. Yeah, game. go on. 
So you were doing it for Premier Sports. Yes. Were there more people in the commentary box than in the stands watching the game? I think that could be a... Potentially. The Storm, really? Denise or Dennis. I don't know why they've got names. It still blows my mind anyway. Pun intended. Blows your mind. Did you get it? Because of the wind and the storm. Oh, I see yeah. what you did there. So, no, but he didn't do it until you picked did. up on it. No, no. Some no. people think I'm stupid. I'm a smart man. <laughs> and Storm Dennis was there in full force. And I wasn't sure whether the game was going to go ahead. The Newport Gwent Dragons game got cancelled. Um, there was a lot kicking off in Cardiff. There was nothing going on. So I was thinking... I took the Skype gamble, even though I was driving there with a coffee in my hand, if that makes sense, that the game wasn't going to go ahead, but it did. And uh, fair play to hashtag always Edinburgh. They rocked up. Barkley got a hero's welcome. And Edinburgh were very good. They're top of conference being and the Guinness Pro 14. Yeah. Van der Merwe. Duane van der Merwe. Oh, what? my legs. Oh, my slipper. Yeah. So, good. They're doing well, mate. They're carving up. That's great, mate. He doesn't that's want to talk great. about the Guinness <laughs> Pro 14. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Guinness, the Guinness Pro 14 has a great sponsor. That's all I'm saying. But I was there Saturday. Yeah, I know you Edinburgh were. doing and very well. So. if producer Tim was here, we would know the interesting stat. But as I'm not a consummate professional, I haven't done my research. Richard Cockrell has some very, very bizarre uh, stat around winning percentages against the Scarlets over the last couple of years. If yeah, you look he at has. The biggest, yeah. One five. Uh, yeah. Out of five? There you go. Five out of five. Well, I'm lucky that, you're here. Is that a bizarre stat? He's just won five. Very bizarre. The last five games against well, mate, that's, that's well, not bad, is I, it? And he's inflicted, I think, their two biggest defeats. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so I did the rugby on Saturday. Took me a while to get home, Storm Dennis. Sunday, rugby was cancelled, so I went laser tag in Gloucester. Took JJ. Nice. Absolutely blitzing the kids in there. Unbelievable. <laughs> Rolling back the years. Blitzing them with a laser? Of course. No running, no crawling. I'm on my hands and knees, I basically you, I run bet, crawling. I was going to say, I bet you cheated like fuck, didn't you? Why? Were you covering up your... Yeah, I put a t-shirt over the top so no one could see me. <laughs> They're like, no running <laughs> and no crawling. You've never seen a six foot ten in heels man crawling across the floor quicker than this in your life and I've got one of the highest scores they've ever seen KV mentioned he saw uh, uh, Dai Yang and his budgie smugglers in, in Dubai Goody uh, things haven't really finished the way he would have liked and uh, it was have that well no there's only one team to blame on it really Saracens oh blame Saris blame again. Saracens blame Saracens me. no you have to actually um, <laughs> <laughs> because it, the, the reality of it is what do you mean had Saracens not got relegated Was would genuinely be in a relegation battle, they wouldn't have sacked him. Um, I generally believe that's that's what would have happened. Either, you know, I, I think what Wasp have done, and it, it's quite a strong thing for the club to do, to say, actually, do you know what? When you've got someone under contract that you feel, as a board, you need to make a change, which is obviously the decision that they've made. So he's he's gone then, because... From what uh, there's I'm not an official it. statement out yet, but it's looking that way, obviously. Well, he's in Dubai. Oh, this uh, no, is before. he was in Dubai two weeks ago. Oh, this is before. He was it's, wearing smugglers at the buffet. That's okay, all I so saw. He was, yeah, he didn't know. He didn't have a clue. So, so, it, it, is it, it the right it, time to make a change? Well, it, in reality, the board have made a decision. They see the future of the club going in a different direction. There's a man under contract. Uh, and Di, listen, if you sum up what Dai's done for the club, he's been phenomenal. He took over when the club were in financial ruin. Um, you know, half an hour away from going bust. You know, there's stories of him paying the bus to take them to games, paying for the tape, uh, for the players and all this stuff. And he's been part of that evolving club that's gone from real financial struggles at Wickham to every year up until the last couple of years, they've improved their league performance. Obviously, they get to uh, a Champions Cup semi-final against Saracens. A couple of years after that, gets the Premiership final. Should have won the Premiership. Nathan Hughes gives a penalty away with 30 seconds to go that he should never have even been trying to compete for the ball. Uh, Exeter kick the penalty to level it and then win in extra time. So, and we had a squad, moved to Coventry, had a squad at the time with world stars like Curtly Beale, George Smith, uh, Cipriani was there, Vili LaRue, Elliot Daly. We've got all, the, all these players that were coming in that were great. And um, unfortunately, where the squad is at the minute, there's, the squad, in my opinion, is nowhere near as good as it was. 
And like I've said on here many times, in the Premiership, you kind of finish where you look at your squad and you go, that's a that's a top two squad, that's a top four, that's a top six, don't you? And then that's a relegation battle squad. And, you know, the squad, uh, I think they're ninth in the league at the minute. And that's the quality that he's got. So sometimes you need, it's like when Leicester let Cockers go. You know, Cockers was amazing at Leicester, won loads of stuff. But at some point, you feel you've got to go in a different direction as a board. And that's what they've done. And because Saracens have been relegated, they've taken the decision now and said, well, we've got the rest of this season where we know there's no relegation. So in reality, all they're competing for is top six, top four, which is massive for a club. But they're saying, actually, we're going to take a decision now and we're going to go in a different direction. So had Saracens not been relegated and and everything that's happened, I don't think they'd have made this decision. That's only my opinion until perhaps the end of the season. Who knows? But we're here where we are. Wasps are ninth in the league. They've decided that Dai uh, and the club need to part ways and go in a different direction. That's where we're at. And he's done a proper job, though. Let's not. He's been brilliant. Yeah, let's not forget, like Goody mentioned, the stuff that they've been through there, like close to relegation, uh, close to bankruptcy, um, moving up to Coventry. So the whole squad having to move their lives away from what they knew before. And he's managed all that. And he's mm-hmm. managed it unbelievably well. And, uh, you know, whether or not we, we've laughed about it or not laughed about it or it's true or it's not true, you know, whatsoever's happening with the finances at Wasp doesn't look great. There's no training uh, ground. They've lost their best players last, last year. And he's stuck about to see that through. So for me, there's no substitute, right, for loyalty. That's what I think. And, and there's not many people that loyal in the game. He could have jumped ship a long time ago. That I'm sure there would have been loads of opportunities he, in he's, Wales. He's had a lot of offers. Of course he has. Yeah. You know, he's a great rugby man as well. But looking at it, there's no surprise that he's gone. I just hope he's left on good terms. I'm sure he has. Yeah, I, I think he will. Listen, you know, there's obviously, when you leave, uh, when you're under contract, there's going to be conversations that are tough conversations. But uh, I think over the next few days, we'll see a statement from Wasps and, you know, you do come to an agreement. Um, and he, Dye's done wonderful things for that club. And now the, the board um, just feel that it's, it's time for a new direction. And unfortunately, then you have to have tough conversations you obviously have a, a presume some sort of negotiation around a severance package, and then you know you, you shake hands and, and you know while the, there won't be bad feeling there because you want to remember die for everything that, that he's done to get the club where they are now from where they were. But you think that's how he will be remembered? He should be. He, if you and it's like what we said previously. You know we said about Nigel Ray and stuff when he you know stood down at Saracens. He's done some wonderful things. But are you, what you remember for, and I wrote a column for Rugby Pass on, on that, and I said, I just hope you're not remembered for the last sort of period that you're involved in. If so, you look at Wasps as well, though, it does look like their demise has come from the quality on the pitch. I remember playing against Wasps in Europe two or three years ago, and their team was quality right the way through. Yep. Nathan Hughes was playing well, Nazim Carr on fire, guys like Cipriani, Gopperth playing well, Philly LaRue. Wade uh, and they just do when you watch them now they still have some good players yep. obviously the Cipriana Sopawanga thing hasn't really come off for them but they don't really seem to have that same quality that same level of player so it is interesting now that they've come and got rid of the coach as if I can understand they want to go on a new path but you look at it from the outside and I wouldn't look at Wasp's demise let's call it and say that it's Dai Young's fault they don't no, have the same quality of player no I, I completely agree with that and I've said that openly um, and I think they've the club have come out and said they've still got space in the salary cap um, which again leads you to think that you know they've not spent as much as perhaps other clubs and that's because they couldn't spend as much no they can spend as much as they want if you look at what they've got as a club they've got the best facility around uh, an owned stadium so they've got a hotel there they've got all the conferencing casino. And, and banqueting, yeah, the casino, all this stuff, that side of the business, 
it's probably I'd say it's one of the best in in England, if not the best in England as a entity. But then their squad isn't the best. Let's be honest about it. Um, it's a reasonable squad, but for me, it's a mid-table squad. Whereas before, that was a top-table squad that could have won the Premiership. And ultimately, as a director of rugby, your job and part of your job is formulating a squad. But you can only formulate that squad with whatever restrictions or not restrictions in Saracen's case there are. So, you know, ultimately, if the club isn't performing and the board want to go in a different direction, that's what happens. And you just wish Di the best. He's been brilliant for the club. He's been very good to me in my career there. Everyone that speaks to him and knows about him thinks he's a good bloke around the game. There's not many people or if anyone, I don't think there's anyone that's ever come to me and had a bad word to say about Di. So, you know, unfortunately, we've seen what Cockers has done at Edinburgh. We were talking about it earlier. You know, you move on. And someone's going to get a good coach with yeah. him. He'll do a very good job, and there's rumours of him going to Ospreys. I think he'd do a wonderful job there. There was chat of him potentially being in the mix for the Wales job before Pivac got it. So, you know, you don't become a bad coach or a DOR overnight. It's just sometimes you have to part ways to improve, hopefully. But we are there on Friday. We are. The Kofskins are coming. So me and Goody are going to be hosting. What's the suite called again? The Andy Good Suite. Oh, is the Andy Good Suite? Yeah, We're hosting, it? and I've told the Covskins it's fancy dress. Is that a play on or not? They ain't coming in my suite, mate. They're not coming in the suite. No, they've no, got no. them a box so that we can box. lock them in uh, in morph suits. I've told them so they're all going to be wearing morph suits. Good on them. Wasps right. against Saracens Friday night, eh? What did you make of the performance at Welford Road? Um, first half, I thought they were pretty good in, in patches. Listen, ultimately, the, the game comes down weather conditions like that and the way the wind was. The game comes down to two things for me. Firstly. Leicester's dominance in the drive and line out play in the second half. They took them to pieces, took our pack to pieces. But ultimately, the, the, this huge turning point. So, Leicester, Tom Young's punches uh, Will Rollins in the face. It's a straight red card without a shadow of a doubt. Unfortunately, Trevor Fisher, the TMO, must have been having a poo. <laughs> <laughs> he's either right, gone for a, gone to drop the kids off at the pool. Mate, or he's, he's, he's eaten a tub of digestive, <laughs> not, you know, like a tube, like a tub. He's gone biscuit heavy. And I'm, watch, I'm watching it. And when you see the replays, on BT Sport, and this is what I don't understand. You see it clear as day, don't you? Mm. How's the TMO not seeing that? And with a closed fist, a punch to the face where he's got a shiner straight on. Tiger uppercut! And uh, we, we love Tom Youngs. He's a great bloke, isn't he? Um, but it's a red card. He, he knows that. You, you can't punch anymore. And people go, well, he didn't punch him that hard. You can't throw a punch in this day and age. He should have been sent off. The painful thing about that is they kick to a penalty to touch. Then they get another one. They drive the line out over. They score. And so they go ahead. So Tom Youngs probably should have been sent off. They score straight after that. And then in the shape of 30 seconds, Wasps, you know, Kibberigi heading to the corner. White makes an unbelievable yeah. cover tackle. Some people are saying, oh, you know, I've, I've seen the penalty tries and yellow cars given for that. Absolutely no way in the world was that ever anything but an amazing tackle. He's it, quality. It, it was brilliant. He touches his shoulder. It doesn't follow through or anything. Kibberigi should have... Yeah, potentially reviewing. He's oh, I should have slid in or whatever. But that was amazing from White. Try saving tackle. You know, thirty seconds later, Jacob Umungas thinks he's playing the NFL, throwing it five yards forward. Veanu picks up, goes the length, and it's game over. So they, you know, they they were in the game. Things conspired against them, but you know, Leicester thoroughly deserved the win off the back of their forward dominance, uh, especially in the second half, and the fact that Tom Youngs didn't get sent off. Funniest part of the game. Was as they were running out. Did you see it? And Tom Young's trying oh, to yeah, the mascot. Yeah, yeah. Do you know who the mascot was? No. Deeks' son. Oh, was it really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, didn't he, he didn't want to didn't want was to that be. Was that Ellie on the side of the pitch? Yeah. That was it? I yeah. Didn't, I didn't, yeah. I'm so, I'm watching that now. I know. So hilarious. I said to Deeks, it's all the organic wipes he's had. It's, he just changed his mind. <laughs> <laughs> now Alequin's uh, lost at home to London Irish. Oh, Do you guys see that? Devo. Oh, I'm just so gutted for them. Why are you horrible to Quinns? My goodness. They got hammered. What's going on? 
bonus bonus point. Yeah. But, uh, here's one thing for me, right? And we like Guzzy. Have you ever listened to any of Guzzy's after match interviews or whatever they put out? Yeah, when what they, are you when, they, say? when they lose, he just makes loads of excuses. He's like, "Well, you know, they it was intercept, it was a charge down, it was this, it was that." He tries to be very analytical. Yeah, he in, does. In how he picks out. Um, he very rarely opens up the lads as well. I think no. I've heard him say well, a couple a good, of times, which is a good thing. Yeah, I, I, I just I can't work Quinn's out. I don't know what is going on there, and they've always had a soft underbelly. They have. This ain't me being horrible, and even though I am being horrible, but they have always had a soft underbelly. They've got the ability to to compete with anyone on their day, but it's just consistency. Yeah, they just don't seem to have. And I think now we mentioned it before. The shackles are off with under Irish now, haven't they? And their performance since Saracens have been relegated have gone through, through the roof. Through the roof, it really has. And that shows you potentially what pressure can do uh, to an environment. But you know, for Quins, well, you thought Quins were top four this year, did you? No, no. I said Wasps would be. <laughs> I mean, Goody, we loyal, were loyal, mate. Loyalty. We were we were on BT Sport for um, Quins when they were in Belfast. Yeah, and they were awesome. Yeah, they were. They should, yeah, should both them games. Yeah. yeah. Um. So and to, to ship a score like that at home to London Irish. Well, mate, it's Jim's fault. To be fair, so Jim called out Adam Coleman, didn't he, a few weeks back? Yeah. He's like, mate, for eight hundred grand, what? Yeah. And he's well, been the, charged down. He's been ripping it up ever since, hasn't he? I mean, they had the cup final, Jim. They beat Saris, you know, got the bonus point against the under fourteens. Yeah, and then that's that done, isn't well, it? That's it. I, think, that's I, think, it. I still think they're hungover. But to, to be to be to be fair to the Nar- London Irish, play very well. They got some quality there. So Kepu starts at tighter prop. Yeah, and he ain't poo. Franco van der Merwe and Adam Coleman in the second row. Uh, van der Merwe is a quality player. Yeah, by the way. exactly. You know, Tuasui at eight, he's awesome. Ben Meehan at nine, international rugby player. Stephen Myler controlling things in those circumstances and weather conditions. He's a brilliant player for that. They've got Naholo on one wing. Naholo! And then my favourite player, actually, of the Premiership this year, well, he's probably not favourite player, but a player that's really impressed me is Curtis Rona, the outside centre. Mm. He's brilliant. They've got the makings. They've got some quality players there and they took Quinns to the cleaners. And Jim's very happy about it, aren't you, Jim? Good to you at King's home over the weekend. Yeah, Friday Night Lights. Oh, I watched that. Yeah. Yeah, well done. Yeah, thanks, thanks, James. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Was it all right? Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, it weren't good for Gloucester. But no, it wasn't. It was, uh, they need you. Comes. Oh, I don't well, they know. Got, they got problems with their oh, discipline. I don't know. Problems with their discipline, problems with their line-outs. I mean, you can fix one of them, the line-out. Discipline. Add a few more penalties on. Yeah, Exeter play well. Uh, and it's great to see Hoggy. Yeah, I did like, you enjoy the banter on social media and all sorts of stuff like that. The Valentine's Day card that... I texted him if it was play on. He said, it's all right, but he weren't happy with the Scotland getting bagged no. by rugby pass. But hey, you can only you can only say what you see. Yeah, and he scores that brilliant try that he sets up as well. Then well, yeah. the finish, the way he's holding it, making sure he doesn't drop it and then puts it down twice as well. I think it shows his character. Rob Baxter mentioned it. We had Jack Noel on last week that... He is not willing because he's getting paid to do it, but in them fallow weeks, it's tough sometimes to go back and, you know, Exeter's not down the road from Scotland, is it? It's, you know, is there a direct flight? Well, it didn't really matter. But either way, you're leaving, having played an international test match, all that pressure, all the emotion. You're going back to Exeter, tough place to go and play in terms of their training, I've heard. You know, the culture and stuff like that's brilliant there. And rocks up to King's home play well. on, on a six-day turnaround. Yeah. And uh, puts in a performance like that. See when that ball is kicked loose to him, he is phenomenal to Wheels. watch. I love. See when he gets that right in the middle of the pitch, say seventy-five meters from the opposition line, and he starts going that weave and run, and then he has that wee sort of if he's going from kind of right, right to left, that we skip in the air, and you think he's going to come off the left, but he just goes again. And there's right. somebody who's literally dives tag, and he's away. 
uh just a, i mean the the touchdown was a bit of crack but that that just class yeah, fullback play i mean if i had been out there i'd have freaking taken an easy turnover DC, probably dc thirteen two two nine doesn't miss those tackles does it chop suey up at clear release poach penalty and three points yeah. and we're we're away home with a with a win game yeah. tied away the old boy stino played well as well kicked his goals he did uh get game on the match so we can go down the pub and yeah so what is he the second highest point scorer Against Gloucester, I mean, let's let's just. I oh, was it against Gloucester. I <laughs> yeah. thought it was in the, they kept it was making in the this prem. big. No, they kept making this big thing about it. Most points ever scored against Gloucester in the Premiership. I was second. Charlie Hodgson was oh, first. I he overtook was, me. I thought it was. Hey, in he's the about league. he's about a th- call it four thousand points behind me overall, mate. I mean, it's just numbers. Hey, I tell you what, though, Exeter, I can't even believe I questioned. What about their signings? Uh, under the is this under the radar? Under the radio. Same as Leinster. Yeah, I'm just not sure about this Exeter team. Kirsten, unbelievable signing. At the minute, where there's a bit of rain, he's fine. When the sun comes out, my goodness, <laughs> Factor I, 50. I cannot see the performances staying at that level, <laughs> I'll be honest. But uh, Exeter, I think Exeter look the best team. Big favourites now, Exeter, aren't they? Massive. I mean, you, and it's something I was chatting to Jack Noel about it, actually, the other week. It's now an expectation that they are the big favourites. And you see some of the other teams, you know, Sale on a bit of a run, they go to Saracens and get humped. Northampton at home to Bristol, you expect them to be competing but this is now surely extras to lose and it's a different mindset because they've been in four or five finals now mm. they've won one of which that one they should have lost because Nathan Hughes gave a penalty away with 30 seconds to go I don't know whether I mentioned it earlier so now there's an expectation they're going into the rest of the season and they're perfectly set up they're a humble bunch and it was nice you know, Rob Baxter came over shook my hand and just gave me the nod. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's I, I right. think what he meant was thanks for you know making all the points about the salary cap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what it was. Um, but yeah, that you know they're obviously home court final. You know when you're going to places like Kingsham and being that dominant, um, you know they are big big favourites for the Premiership this year. They're good to watch. They aren't they? They're really really rounded. You know, they like they move the ball to the edge. They've got Hoggy there. Stino can kick the goals. Simmons can kick the goals. But when they get in the 22, you know, they're, they're, they're probably the best team, the best team yeah. in that zone. Do they have the best mall? They're up, they've yeah. got every game. You know, you don't associate them with just being quick or just being strong up front. They've got everything. And I'll tell, what, I'll tell you what they do have as well. The player in the premiership with the best moustache. Actually, Furbanks is pretty good, but Nick White. Nick White. Oh, my Tash. And Jim, you touched on Saracens uh, playing without the burden of pressure anymore. Um, they made light work of sale, didn't they? They did. And look, I'll be honest, I, I, I can't bring myself to watch it. <laughs> so I didn't we, watch Saracens. Can't, uh, none of their games are on BT Sport anymore because they were relegated. Yeah. It's a disgrace. They've lost Allianz and sponsors as well. Yeah. So I couldn't, couldn't bring myself to watch the game, actually. Um, sale beat them the week before to make the final of the Premier, Premiership Cup. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say when we talk about Saracens' game there. Sale, that was Sale pretty much full noise. Yeah, they were, yeah. And it was Saracens' second-ish team. Mm. They still got quality in there. Brad Barrett, Lozowski, um, Alex, Alex Goo yeah. played, you know. All, but they did have some second-team players playing. Yeah. Uh, and they fully got their pants pulled down. Mm. Well, speaking of Saracens, Gertie caught up with their centre, Alex Lazowski, for our super fan subscription service at patreon.com. And we thought we'd play you a quick clip of that now to give you a little taste of what's on offer. Let's yeah. talk about your England career and what's happened since then. Then, obviously, five caps. Yeah. Um, and your last game yeah, was against Japan 2018 at yeah. Twickenham. Eddie pulls you off at half time, and that's the last time you play for England. Yeah. What's messages were given to you sort of at half time or after the game and, and where do you sort of sit now with, with that because obviously we've seen a World Cup which you know you'd obviously I'm sure you'd have been disappointed not to be involved yeah. in uh, what are the noises coming from Eddie about you as a player at the minute 
Yeah, so um, not had too much conversation with him lately. Um, obviously, so Japan game, not been involved since then. I was obviously disappointed with the way that game went and um, what's happened after. Um, despite that, managed to, I feel like, finish that season pretty strongly and play. I feel like I played pretty well at the end of the season there in those two finals, which we ended up winning. And I, I was hoping to put myself back in contention a little bit. And then ultimately got a call from Eddie uh, before the squad was announced at the World Cup, just saying that you've just missed out. So, you know, obviously you never want to you never want to hear those words saying that you've just missed out. But I think um, having been somewhere where I thought I was nowhere near it to at least have got a phone call and, you know, I guess be in the at least in the thinking a little bit was um was nice for me given what happened in the autumn before and thinking that I'd uh, basically ruined it for myself so um you know obviously not not still not involved now which is uh, a shame but um you know I don't I don't think uh you know I'd still be playing if I didn't think I could play for England again or if I didn't want to so you know that that ambition and drive is still definitely there and um you know I'm determined to give myself a shot of playing again there you go. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you like the sound of that and sign up to get loads of extra interviews and features just for a few quid a month. What a comeback from Bristol, guys. Did you see that coming? Oh, my Bristol's. Who have, they, have they lost anyone to Six Nations? I don't think they have. No. I don't think they have. How are they, un- how are they under the salary cap, though? Oh, oh there mate, you go. They, oh, come they on. are this year. Oh, Where are this they next year? year? Well, next, who knows? Ne- next year, who knows? They Sammy Lobon, yeah. he, he's getting paid. Charles Pierto is getting paid. Yeah. Carl Sinclair. Getting paid. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not one to ask a question. Nathan, Nathan Hughes, Hughes getting paid. paid. I'm not asking the Stephen Lua Tua getting paid. But I ain't asking. <laughs> Madigan's leaving. Madigan's leaving. Not getting paid. How's Madigan only played? This that's his second game. Yeah, yeah. Sheedy, mate. Sheedy's good though. Yeah, but mate, so Very, is Madigan. Yeah, I was, I was like on the text to him recently. Trying to get him for a bit of uh, Patreon, actually. Hopefully, uh, going to get him. Okay. He, he, he ain't happy, is he? No, you know he didn't Wait. say too much, but he's. Um, He's getting paid an absolute fortune. He didn't yeah. say that on the text. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. He's just, go, just going home every night and just logging into internet banking. He's all right. Oh, I, don't know. I don't know. There's I've more heard th- he's, uh, he's not uh, like throwing his toys out and he's like training really, really hard and waiting for his opportunity. But I, I don't know what if, I don't know if Pat's, maybe we're talking about salary cap, maybe Pat, Pat Lambs just said, you know what, if I want to invest X, Y, and Z in these players next year, I can't be paying and Madigan that. So a couple of young tens so coming through. Sheedy through. But yeah. it, it is the thing about Sheedy though, he's been spoken about as potentially being called up to the Welsh squad. Yeah. yeah that's how well he's playing. So you've got to respect the fact that, you know, we all think Mads is a good player and he is. But when someone's in the in the role playing week in week out and playing well, he's keeping him out because Chidi's playing exceptionally well. He makes the break, um, you know, to to yeah. to get them fifty sixty yards up the field. So then uh, Purdy scores a try to take him ahead. It, yeah. You know, he's a quality player. But they must rate Madigan because they brought him on when they try and close the game out. If this is second game. I just don't know why that they've brought him to Bristol because like it's not as if he was like right it's the end of my career. I'm not bothered. He was quite open. Yeah, he was in Bordeaux. He was, he was yeah. like he was playing. I don't think he loved France. Uh, shock, shock, shock. Mm. And um, yeah, but what, he, here's the thing with it though: Pat Lamb didn't sign Ian Madigan. Different coaches have different opinions of players, don't yeah, they? There you go. So you know, I'm not saying they've had a fallout. What I'm saying is Pat Lamb just might rate Sheedy more and pick him more often. And 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 Sheedy's performed. Let's not make this anything about Mads being bad or whatever Sheedy's played exceptionally well and that's what we should be focusing on the thing I find strange about it is not that Sheedy's playing ahead of Madigan now because if you look at what they've both done over the last six months you can see it's why six months ago 
Was he getting the opportunities? Why was Pat Lamb sitting looking, going, Ian Madigan is not a- in the Premiership the way the game is. Taking your points is so important. Having a 10 that can control the game is so important. Why six months ago was he sitting going, Ian Madigan is not a guy who can add value to my team? Obviously, he saw something in Sheedy, and maybe six months later, um, that investment's starting to look good. And yeah. some things that I think right would annoy a coach, if he doesn't rate Madigan or he thinks he's a good player... But there's a good player and then there's a good player that's getting paid a significant amount of money. And if yeah. he's come in and he's thinking, how is he getting paid that well, much? Well, is it Mark Tainton's at Bristol? I think he's quite high up. He used, So he was the Ireland uh, kicking coach for, I'd say, a good 10, 12 years before the Joe Schmidt era. And he's there, so it could have been him before Pat Lamb. He could have said, you know what, he loves a kicking game. He loves it. And he said, it could have said, right, get him in there. And then as you say, Pat comes, looks at the wage bill and thinks, nah. Well, well, let's have a look at the Guinness Six Nations. How do you guys see the big one going between England and Ireland at Twickenham? Oh, I, I thought the big one was the wooden spoon battle between... Well, well it is. Italy and Scotland. In my eyes, that is the big one. It is. Uh, England, Ireland. Hey, Darren. Ooh, I'm happy I'm here this week and not this next week, just in case. Goody. Are you you're thinking you're going to get hosed again, are you? No. No, well, not a 50-pointer like the no. summer. I uh, don't know. Don't know. I'm happy. Um, I hope Big Manu's not playing in the centre. Um, don't know with Vinopolo's any either of them playing. I'm happy that Eddie's up to his old tricks with selection. The last thing we want to see in Ireland is a big ball carrying number eight running around knocking people over. Well, so, like a Don Brandt. Don Brandt. No, nah, I wouldn't want him. Or like an inform Nathan Hughes or an inform Big no, Billy. No, like yeah. we, we don't want that. Like we we can Ireland Ireland will have the battle of the breakdown all day long. We'll take that. We'll take Curry at number eight, bit smaller, quick Van der Fleer in there, Stander and O'Mahony trying to get over ball. Looks like Ian Doris probably in the bench for Ireland again getting another but how good to see him back. That yeah. was that was a bad KO as well, wasn't it? Bless him. I'm and really do you know what? For him. Uh, before the game I tweeted saying, listen, keep an eye on this guy. You know, a star's being born, you know, today. What a film. Well, no, because it ended five minutes in with a concussion, that oh, no. <laughs> that version of it. Mate, the old Doris, eh? But yeah, so England, it's the power game that concerns me. So we'll have an eye on England selection this week, hoping that it's, you know, as good players that they are. It's Farrell and, um, and Joseph in the centre and that they've got Curry at number eight. Those are, are good signs from, from an Irish point of view. It's interesting. There's loads of selection questions now for Eddie. Um, I think everyone wants to see apart from the Ford family, would like to see Sexton go up against Farrell at 10 uh, and see that battle. I think... Do you think that'll happen? I don't think it will, but I think Owen Farrell has to play 10 for us. See, from an Irish point of view, let's not worry totally about who's on fully fit and full form. The midfield I would not want to see would be Farrell at 10 with Slade and Tulangi. That is the one where I'd be going, oh, crap. Because Cashew's back in, is it? The cash unit's back in, isn't he? Man, Slade. Uh, or Slade. Slade's back in the squad, isn't he? Uh, yeah, they're both, they were both training with him last week. What I heard, so I heard on the grapevine, the week before England-Scotland, Eddie Jones was trying to get Slade to play for, or be in the squad for England because he was desperate. He needed a centre uh, because of the injury issues we've had there. Um, Rob Baxter apparently was like, or Exeter were like, no, he's not ready. And then Exeter were going to play him on Friday night against Gloucester. And Eddie Jones was like, now, nah, mate, we're having him in the squad, so he's not going to play. He might go straight into the team for yeah. England-Ireland. And it's just Eddie doing what Eddie does. But yeah, the big thing for me is England have got selection issues. Who do they pick at nine now? Because they've made the change to go to Willie Hines against Scotland. And listen, you can't judge a player fully on that game. But actually, Ben Young's played pretty well off the bench. You know, Willie Hines played all right, put a few kicks out on the full. But biggest yeah, who, issue is nine for England. I who think. who'd you go with there at nine? Who? For me, it's horses for courses. Ben Spencer. Well, 
What, Darren Robson played well at the weekend. No, he's. He, I think he'll go back to Youngs at nine. I think he'll stick with Ford at ten, which I disagree with. I think Farrell should play ten. Loosehead? Uh, Mako. You've got to start Mako. So you don't think Marley comes back in no, at all? I don't think so. I think, Gen- well, Clippity the, the argument's to start Genge because of how good he's been. Well, that's what I mean. So that's why. But I then do, do you lose the impact off the bench? So you start with Mako, say, take your earlobes onto that field, mate, and carry as much <laughs> you as drag you can. Them, drag them Dra- on. Drag them on, and then we'll drag you off by them when you're, you're done at about 55, 60 minutes. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, bring Genge on, and Genge is just going to unleash the sausage power everywhere. So, yeah, listen, th- there are selection decisions for him. The big thing for me is with Ireland, the last two times we played them, put 50 on them uh, uh. in the uh, pre-World Cup game. And I know it was pre-World Cup, so people are reading into things as they will. The Ireland team was strong. On paper, it was a stronger team than England. But then you go back to the Six Nations game last year for opening game. We go over to Ireland. I'm thinking, oh, you know, it's going to be a tough one. And we absolutely blitzed them. So is there a mental issue now with the Irish boys playing against England, especially at Twickenham? Who knows? I think Ireland are in a better position. That as in, then I don't think England have been well. They didn't get tested against Scotland because it was a, a non-starter. That's the thing. Who, who knows where England are? Exactly right. And I just think Ireland absolutely prime. Confidence is everything. I mean, yeah. KV were chatting about it because like, we love ruggers. Because we do. We absolutely do. You ever have a day off the ruggers, mate? Mate, I'm just mate. I'm an expert. Yeah. Hey, of course. Um, I think. It's going to be very, very close. Yeah. If anyone's asking my opinions, no one's actually asked it, but I'm well, giving it. You go on then. England <laughs> by five. And, and this is the thing, the, the, the Twickenham factor is a big factor because I don't know the exact stats um, because producer Tim's just had a baby with his, his better half. He'd, he'd tell me otherwise. But England's record at Twickenham over the last 18 months uh, has been pretty good. And, uh, you, you know, we don't know where England are because we've got hosed over in France, selection issues by Eddie Jones. France were primed for that game. We've gone to an absolute blizzard up in Scotland and we nutted it out in a game that was ran by the conditions so we don't know where England are but we know Ireland played very well against Wales Michael Harry 89 has asked if England are a one dimensional team uh, without the Vunapolos and Manu Tuolangi do they have a plan B I think that is the issue yeah you go back to the semi-final against New Zealand where we absolutely dismantled you boys and then a week later the same thing happens to us South could do that to us France did it to us when we don't win that physical battle we don't seem to have a plan B and again, that's an Eddie Jones issue where we've never been able to change the way we play you know, from one half to another. It's always been, this is what we do. And if it's going well, we're a damn good side. If it's not going well, you saw some of the games last year in the Six Nations, we couldn't change. When you're not getting that game line, you've got to find another way of getting field position and territory. And so you've got to use your kicking game and your set-piece pattern as well, haven't you? Um, defensively, you've got to pick up things as well and line speed and, and go and get turnovers at the breakdown, which Curry and Underhill can do. But... You know, you, you saw us in this World Cup final panic a little bit because we didn't win that physical battle. And then, then we're chucking balls in our own dead ball line. England don't do that unless they're under pressure. And that's what pressure does to you. So we haven't got plan B visibly because we've seen it in loads of games when, you know, Wales last year in the Six Nations. What are we doing? And other teams get criticised for going to the air too much. You know, Ireland in the past under Joe Schmidt. But if you're not getting traction through, if you're getting smashed... What do you what do you what do you expect? It is hard, yeah. you know. It's hard when you're the ball's slow when you're in the back foot, and you know people and people you know sitting having twelve pints go. Oh, they look clueless. They look like they lack of energy. That's because the ball's slow. The opposition have fourteen players on their feet. They've had time to organise, so it is tough. And that's why you have to get momentum through the air. Yeah. And thinking back to the game in the Six Nations between Ireland and England last year, that was something England did really well. Yeah. Robbie Henshaw was playing fullback and Farrell poking the ball through, and that's actually a part of England's game. Given they've 
two out halves on the pitch, they probably could and should be better at. They should have a plan B. Well, George Ford's kicking game has been poor for England. Loads of kicks in the Six Nations. He's pumped too long. When Farrell stepped up at first receiver, this is what we said after the Scotland game, we looked a lot better. His tactical kicking game is by far and away one of his assets. George Ford's a brilliant fly half on the front foot. You know, loads of other experts think that the Ford-Farrell combination is the one to go down. If you had everyone fit, I don't think they'd be saying that. If you had everyone fit, they'd go, I think the majority, if everyone was fit, would go, what KV doesn't want to see is Farrell at 10, Slade and Tulang in the centres. Mm. But when you they're not fit, of course. Like, so why does he keep going with it then? Because Eddie Jones... Because there's no other 12. There's, yeah. there's no one that he's, he's promoted at 12. And the thing is, I think except for Farrell, when you have a player like Farrell, who's in my opinion on Farrell, is if we're talking about Owen Farrell as a fly half, top three in the world, yeah. definitely top five as an inside center. Mm, yeah, well, is he? Yeah, and I, I, that's I, where I, I, I would yeah. be saying he is one of your absolute best players. Pick your five best players in their best positions and then fill in the blanks. I've never liked the way he puts Laws at six, he puts Otoji at six. Just freaking play the guys in their positions yeah. and then you know fill it's in the crazy. blanks. And, and that's the thing, I think. If there were other centres below Slade and Tuilangi that had played a lot of international rugby, given chances to, Devoto ain't, he hasn't been given a shot, but I think he's a quality player. Has he even got on? Uh, came on for a couple of minutes against France. So he's not using. Yeah, he, he's, exactly. he's not going to be. He's not a threat to selection to start a game because yeah. The, he in the France game, he had two centers on the bench as well, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Eddie, Joseph and well, Devoto. He's mental, Eddie. KV, how's the media and the fans reacted to this Irish side under the new era of Andy Farrell? Not too sure where we're at. Um, so this year, Ireland are in the Six Nations home to Scotland, Wales and Italy, away to England and France. So I think going in off the back of that World Cup, Ireland would have been talking about, they probably wouldn't have been talking about it, but winning three games was par. You know, Going to France is always going to be tough. Going to England is always going to be tough. And then Scotland, much improved, could have lost that game. The truth is Ireland probably weren't as bad at the World Cup as everyone thought. And right now, they're probably not as good as everyone thinks. That would be my opinion. Um, I, I don't know what happened at the World Cup, and I'm not going to get into it. Or in 2019 against Scotland, I thought we were reasonably average and, and quite lucky. Against Wales, we played well. So I, I don't think we really know where where Ireland, Ireland are at. I do think if you'd have said to Andy Farrell at the start of the competition, look, you'll win your three home games. So that's Scotland, Wales and Italy. And that would be acceptable. And then if you have a chance to win four, that would be brilliant. And then I think five is sort of unprecedented for Ireland. If that happened, that would, it could happen, but I think it would be a shock. So in Ireland, we don't really know what to expect over the next few while. I think the team's going to be a little more physical under Farrell. Um, Joe Schmidt, it's all about tactics and technical. And if you look at teams Andy Farrell's coached, he wants physicality and I do think that is something that has come into Ireland's game a little more and I think if we look at an Andy Farrell stamp it is that physicality. I think it would be easier to play for Andy Farrell than Joe Smith and obviously I wasn't coached by Joe Smith but, Get the, in wi- line. but, the, but the, the whispers that you heard and there was a lot of whispers that gathered momentum that his attention to detail um, the cats, meow, being in camp in that environment was, was very very tough to try and get the the best out of each player. Um, The pressure that he brought to the team, which obviously worked for years, up until two years ago, where it kind of went downhill a little bit from then. And that has a short shelf life, I think. And you look at Andy Farrell and the qualities that he brings, 
Get in line. Make some hits. Tackle him, smash him now. I, I think as a player, and we've seen that with France, you can get energised by that because you're not having to think about other things. You're not having to think about outside of trying to be unbelievably physical and be the best that you can be. And Ireland, that's where they're at the best. Like, you know, you look at the but look at CJ Sun, look how well he's playing now. Is that Andy Farrell getting the best out of him? Dev Toner. Now I ain't peeling back here. You, and you it, said and he, it you don't said, look good. You said he was over. When he's come on, he's been brilliant. Like physically, which is not something with someone like Devon Toner that you put in together, you'd be like line out, graphs. Mate, he dominated you physically, didn't he? Well s- some might differ. I was there. Good night out. That's all I remember. <laughs> Josh van der Fleer in the back row, the pressure that okay. o- O'Mahoney's been under as well with um, Doris coming in. I know Doris missed and we, t- we spoke about, obviously he played a few minutes in that first game, but everything that I'm talking about here and looking at, physicality, physicalities in their carry, Rob Herring, physical, physical. I just think it is so much easier to play like that. One, you need it in your armoury and Ireland have always had it. And I just think secondly, you need someone at the helm just pushing that and just don't think about anything else. And the fact that, I've always said it, Sexton is the right man to take this Irish team ah, forward and captain. And he's fit. There we go. He's fit. Jim. Apart from his broken jaw with 10 plates in it, he's fit. <laughs> How weird is it going to be that Faz Senior is the head coach and Faz Junior is captain of England? Imagine the family WhatsApp group. Hey, Dad, <laughs> what, what, what tactics are you offer? Come and do some kicking with me, lad. We can do some kicking and we hit, hit bags. Make some, get offline intensity. But it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Because... Uh, it's such a bizarre it's scenario it's, ama- I, it's amazing but like how good is that oh, what's like, your band with your dad dad what are you doing today oh do a bit of the team run captain's practice yeah it'd be unbelievable I mean you it? get some kids and fathers and sons and not that I'm judging I mean I'm at laser tag absolutely blitzing the kids on Sunday what a contrast between Owen and his dad Andy but you talk about ruggers in their family I mean you forget actually how good Andy Farrell was do you reckon they ever have a day off talking about ruggers do you think they ever one on one each other or not yeah, I'd, mate, do, I reckon do you reckon they do, they do? Oh, Faz's knees are fucked, but... Uh, <laughs> are they? Big big Faz, uh, Andy. He's a great bloke. People that know him, he's genuinely More a, than a great man. bloke. Hard as absolute um, nails. I reckon those boys would love to play for him. I've heard through the through the slipper that they are absolutely loving him. The team sort of evolved to a stage where, yeah, Joe Schmidt put the foundations in the place, but they, they put the cats in there. But I heard that the, the, the cat's litter tray hadn't been changed for a long, long time and it started to smell. That's what I heard. I heard that the um, lads were getting sick of it. Uh, I've just heard that he's he's the players are absolutely loving it. So they weren't loving Smith. Um, there you go. I don't know. They <laughs> there you go. Listen, I I was there. Believe it or not, there weren't many Meow. caps to show from it, but there were more cats than caps in my career mm. with Joe Schmidt. But they're um, it being in camp was tough. But it'd be interesting. They won't make a selection issue or mistake that they made against England last time playing Henshaw at fullback, will they? That was a shocker. Like Lamas, he should have started that game. He's on fire at fullback. You know, they're, they're, their backline's settled, isn't it? Yeah, just um, it'll just depend on... There's probably a wee bit of a decision to be made in the centre, depending on who's fit. And then, yeah... Who, who'd you go with, Ringrose or Henshaw, if they're both fit? Actually going with Bundyaki and Henshaw suits the England way yeah. to try and combat this yeah. sort of physicality I, I like, and bash like, a few holes. Yeah, I like Bundyaki. I actually think Ireland might win. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The, the more we talk about it... Yeah. The more question marks there are over England now, but we're playing at Twickenham, so we're definitely winning. Are you worried about the result that could happen in Rome, Jim? I mean, this Finn Russell saga doesn't seem to be going away. You wrote about it in the Times, didn't you? It's a perfect storm, James. It is a perfect storm. And uh, interesting, actually, my views compared to Sir Clive Woodwork, polar opposite. He came out in the media today and said that really Finn Russell should never play for Scotland until he apologises. And mine was the opposite. I said that Gregor should go to Finn. <laughs> um, just on my point there, because 
There are a few haters out there, but mostly lovers, the millions of you out there. My point being with Gregor speaking to Finn was, offer him an olive branch. Now, he might not like olives, but he might take one. I like olives. And I'm sure you do, in cheese. Yeah. And um, fried. No, no cheese in the middle of the olive. Oof. Fried. Yeah, a deep fried. <laughs> of course. Um, and I just think that Finn needs an arm around him, right? Scotland need Finn, and Scotland are in trouble. They really are. Look at the World Cup. Lost the first two games now. Performance against Ireland was brilliant. The England game was a non-starter, but they, they lost. We lost. And this saga with Finn Russell will carry on. He's one of the best players in Europe, and there's a big problem there that he's sorting out. It hasn't been sorted out because he's not in the squad. So they go to Rome in what is going to be a very tough game. Italy's first game at home and all the pressure for me is on Scotland team. I Really, you look at the way Scotland have played in recent years, beating Italy comfortably in recent years as well. It should be a comfortable victory, but it's, you, we didn't get anything from that last game. Whereas Italy playing France, we got a lot from. For me, the minimum requirement for Scotland... This Guinness Six Nations is two wins. Absolute bare minimum. With the quality of players that we have, and you look at the pressure and the fallout from the World Cup, anything but two wins. And who have we got? So we've got Italy and Rome. We go to Rome together. Um, We've got France at home after that, and we've got Wales away. So you're thinking, actually, where are the two wins coming from now? Like, you really are. And it's a difficult one because it is the same old. And as Scotland fans, and we spoke about it last week and the week before, it's frustrating, it really is. And it's easy just to piggyback, nay, the Finn Russell saga. But you have to, because he is our best player. And Clive Woodward saying, like, he shouldn't play for Scotland. Like, I get it. I get the whole culture scenario. I get it. Like, you can't be divisive. You know, Xander Fagerson's come out and said as well that he needs to, you know, apologise to the team and, or, or something along them lines to get back in. And, you know, it's Finn who needs to make that first move. I, I agree with that. So for me, the way it needs to be managed is Gregor needs to reach out to Finn and say, look, mate, we don't get on, all right? There's history or whatever, but this conversation that I'm having with you now is for the better of the team. This is to make Scotland competitive. Not that they're not competitive with Adam Hastings, but whether Adam Hastings starts and you've got Finn Russell on the bench, I could see the picture. I dreamt about it. You and had a dream of something to say. I had a dream. Gregor and Finn, they meet under the chandelier. They're both smoking. Um, <laughs> Finn's got vape in his back pocket in case Gregor doesn't like him better smoking. And they hold hands and they walk and they go for a coffee. They end up going to VIP nightclub with Kenyai West and uh, have the best night ever. And then they come out and they say, look, we don't like each other, but we're what on, a night. We're hanging, but what a night. But what an unbelievable night. They then spark up another one. And they go their separate ways. They text each other and say, right, get back into camp. You're on the bench against Italy. Scotland losing by 50 points. Finn comes on. <laughs> 50? <laughs> 50 Sco- Scores 10 tries, gets man of the match. Scotland scraped through a victory. Like the best atmosphere, the best game we've ever seen. Bonus point though. Bonus point win. France. At home. Finn starts. He's made captain. Man of the match. What's wrong with Hoggy being captain? Why have you been out of order to Well, Hoggy? either or. Vice captain. It's the same thing. I was vice captain. It's the same thing. Man of the match against France. There's your two wins. Why is it all becoming so public? That's the thing I find strange about it. Like Social are, media. But why are other players commenting on it, saying, oh, Finn needs to do this in the media? Clickbait. They, they media. Might, they might, yeah, they might be asked, to be fair. Yeah, we've, yeah all, but, we've all got an opinion on it. This is the thing. Like, for me, Gregor needs to be the bigger man out of the two and try and do everything he can to sort it out, swallow his pride, follow his, swallow his anger, and if it doesn't work, then you can draw a line and you can be like, right, it, it, it ain't happening. So then we all know, and then... 
we get Donkey Weir on the bench instead. <laughs> so here's the thing with it, though. And Greg is in the toughest position because, guess what? If you lose to Italy, you're probably getting sacked. Do you reckon? Mm. Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. I think you, if he loses to Italy this weekend, he's probably gone, if not after that game, at the end of the Six Nations. And I'm not trying to get someone sacked here, but so as the head coach, and I agree, as a player, if the head coach doesn't want a player in the team until he changes something, as a player, you're never getting in the team because it's the head coach's decision to pick the team. So he's between a rock and a hard place where he knows that he, he probably wants his best player to change his ways and he should make the first phone call. But he also knows that if he loses to Italy, he's getting the probably getting the heave home. Horrible place to be. Mate, and that's what I mean. So the best case scenario is Gregor should reach out to him under the chandeliers, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and then, at least then, at least then you're not thinking about it. Have you done that before? What, me and Gregor? <laughs> yeah. No, that's what me and Vern should have done. I had a dream that me and Vern did that and I actually went on to get under caps. This is the big acid test for a young French side in Cardiff, isn't it, this weekend? Yeah, and obviously Sean Edwards, you know, the, the underlying factor there, he's going back to Cardiff. Um, listen, this French team have got so much potential, as a lot of French teams have, but they look, that first game against England, they blitzed us, they were, you know, it was like their lives depend on it, the way they played. Against Italy, we said it the other week, didn't we? We don't know how much was Italy being very good in the second half, or French being so French and being really good in the first half, and then just, oh, it is not matter, no problem. So... Um, it is a massive test. Wales are obviously going to have to bounce back from you know a very disappointing performance by their recent history standards in the Six Nations over in Ireland. But yeah, yeah, tough, tough test. And you know they've got star quality. Dupont at nine and Hunter Mack. Then you go Vakatar was fit. He plays at outside centre. Teddy Thomas. You know the world is everywhere. Audrey at eight. He's already and he's born in condom. Mate, I had a message from someone. Saying, mate, I, I'm just pissing myself when you and Jim talk about condom because I'm getting married there in the summer. <laughs> hey, he doesn't need any insurance, does he? <laughs> hey, so often. Protection. Yeah, 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 protection. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big test. Um, and I obviously expect a, a very different Wales performance uh, at home against the French that, you know, the Sean Edwards factor, you can't get away from it, can you? Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Les Bleus. I think it's good for the championship. Good. I know you hate the French. I don't hate the French, So mate. French. Why do I hate the French? It's good. Oh, that you was know, a good bit. Let's do that again. So French. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, I think the Six Nations needs it. A strong France, French team. It's good to see. You know, so hopefully this resurgence is a resurgence. Mm. And it's not, as they say, a false dawn. Yes. I think for me, looking at Wales now, and this is how quickly sport can turn around, rugby can turn around. This is a must-win game for them. So they conceded four tries. They conceded four tries Ruggers. against Ireland. Sean Edwards, imagine how fired up he's going to be to go back to Wales where he's got unbelievable memories. And naturally, imagine how much pressure you feel. I don't know whether they, they might not feel any pressure at all, but if you're Pivak, right, Gatlin's now got a gate and uh, you've lost a game against Ireland. You got absolutely hammered physically. You've got a load of injuries. And people are questioning whether you're the right man because everyone's thinking about Gatland. Who's questioning whether Pivak's the right man or not? Well, I think Wales supporters will if they lose at the weekend. This is the point that I was getting to. I, I think it's a massive game for them. Yeah, it is a big game, but I don't think it's... Yeah, Pivak's only just taking the rollover and he's... Yeah, but you know what... The, the host Italy, mate. England made the final of the World Cup. The Guinness Pint Predictor is back for the Guinness Six Nations on the Match Pint app. And you can win pints of Guinness each week during the tournament, as well as match tickets and much more, all by just predicting the outcome of the Guinness Six Nations fixtures every week. We'll get your predictions in a second, guys. But check out the Match Pint app on Thursday, where they have a Guinness Six Nations quiz. If you answer 10 questions right, 
you can grab yourself a pint for Guinness time. Pretty simple. Download the free Match Pint app and enter the code RUGBYPOD to join our league and go up against Jim and Goody, like 4,000 other listeners have already done. Round three is up this weekend, so let's find out who you're going for and by how much in each game. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Italy, Scotland, quickly. Scotland by 10. Oh, I really want Italy to win. Why? Why do you want Italy to win? Because I think it'd be great for the Six Nations. They've lost the last 24 games, Jim, and I think it'd be nice if... Jake Pelledri got a victory. Who was the last team to that they beat? lose to Italy? Scotland. No doubt. 2015. Round three. Jim Hamilton, captain. Vice captain. Vice captain. Okay, yeah. who's winning, Goody? Uh, Scotland by 12. Yeah. <laughs> Scotland by 15. Oh. Wales, France. Wales Ooh. by seven. France by six. Wales by three. Oh, close. No idea. England v. Ireland. Oh. Oh. This could change It's later all about in the selection, week. isn't it? Is. it? They, could all, they could all change, to be fair. So, if Tuolangi and Slade are playing 12 and 13. 50. Oh. Uh, okay, so you're putting it in your match point app now. What are you putting I'm in? going Ireland by six. You absolute oh, joke, no, Jim Hamilton. Hang on. Mate, he's a Celtic brother. Exactly. I'm from Scotland. Judy. Uh, England by 10. By 10? By 10. <laughs> Ireland by five. That's not what you said off air. You were like, I'm going to have to say this. <laughs> I, listen, I actually think I England will win. I did you want to do not say that? I'm back in England to beat Ireland. Mate, don't worry. Goody was back in Scotland to beat England, mate. No loyalty. Mate, it was, uh, it was my fat fingers. They pressed the wrong button. <laughs> right, fine, let's yeah. take a look at some social media questions. Oh, Everyone asking what you think of the RFU's decision to cut the championship club's funding in half. What do you think? What Shocking. would you guys do with the championship? Shocking. I, it's not necessarily that they've cut the funding, it's the timing. Like, you you look at the, you know, and I, I've looked a little bit into it, played for Nottingham, hashtag the, the green and white hoops, um, and a load of other players have, have come through the championship. Is there a club that you it? don't know the hashtag of? Well, it's I like hashtag always, hashtag I don't know as if it one, is, I just presume hashtag it is. Green it, might, it might not be, but it is now. Um, the millions are going to hashtag it. Um, it's the timing, right? You look at the, the, the clubs in the championship, they are battling anyway. And again, I've tweeted about it and people were like, yes, but you know, you're getting paid to play rugby. Playing in the championship is playing at the coalface. So you're, you're getting paid minimum wage I'll for play, the majority I'll play, I'll of them. in the championship. Not for minimum wage. <laughs> um, you get, you're not getting paid a lot of money, I'm telling you now, for what you're doing. Rugby is a tough, tough sport. And a lot of them players in the championship are professional. They are. Some of them will be professional. Some of them will be coaching on the side. And to have the funding cut, they're already underfunded. Like, they absolutely are. The amount of games that they play, the travel that's involved. You've got to think, it's not just the players. It's the, the strength and conditioning. It's the chef. Um, it's the kit man. It's, you know, the coaches. Like, it, it's it's collective. I just can't believe that they've cut at this time of year. Like, Nottingham came out and said, they've already started signing players yeah. for next year. So, it's like, well, hang on. Well, no, we can't actually afford these players now for next year because... You know, they want maybe a little bit more money or we're trying to add quality or we want to go, go up the uh, the leagues or we want to try and compete with Saracens and keep it under 80. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's, the, the interesting thing, like, people are saying, oh, you know, it's going to be, it's now ring fencing. The 260 grand or whatever it is they've cut isn't going to stop a team's ambition of trying to get promoted because it costs, and Rob Baxter said it on Friday night, it costs millions. So you've either got the will and the desire to, as an owner to get your team in the premiership as Tony Rowe did many, many moons ago at Exeter. You know, since then pretty much it's been, I think they said something like the last five or six years, it's been the same team who got relegated bouncing straight back up. I don't think it's about the promotion. I think it's, no, it's about not, the masses. But, but for, for, for people that have said, oh, it's, it's basically ring fencing, that's wrong. Because, mm. you know, the, the difficulty now is the difference between a budget 
and sustainability in the Premiership compared to what they're on the Championship, I reckon it's 15 million quid that you're going to have to invest minimum to try and get structures around a club that could be a Premiership standard, a squad, etc., etc., built up. And I'm not talking about the salary cap. I'm talking about the whole fundamental. Look at Ealing. It, the, the Ealing owner for Trail Finders, he's got a huge amount of money. But does he want to put 20 million quid in or how much it is? Their stadium isn't good enough to play Premiership rugby yet. So the cost of that. So it's not just about a playing squad. It's everything around it. And so the 260 grand that the RFU are cutting isn't going to prevent a team getting promoted. But like Jim says, it affects people's lives. And in reality, and a lot of the championship clubs do have a very strong argument that the RFU keep all the money that's generated from that championship. So the sponsorship rights, the TV rights, a lot of other stuff around it. And then they distribute it to the clubs as they see fit. And I don't know the full ins and outs of it. But, but, but why... Whereas PRL, Premier, Premiership Rugby Limited, run the Premiership. But I don't. I just don't get why the last last minute it is last. Yeah, minute. no, that, that, that's the thing. But and there's, it's, there's, nothing, there's, there's new people at the helms. So there's a new CEO. Obviously, Conor O'Shea's gone there with his role as well. Performance and director. You know, it, it's it's like there's two new people gone in, and we've got to make a change. We've got to make a statement yeah, for something but, because I mean, the RFU are trying to cut costs. Well, this is the, this is what it comes down to. So they, I'm not defending it, by the way. Yeah, but I'm just and, saying. And it yeah. is. It's people look at professional rugby and they see. Finn doing laps of the Champs Elysees with Gregor on his Lambo. Lamborghini, yeah. smoking out the window. That's not what it's like. Like we've joked about it before that that championship, like it's like a professional rugby player graveyard. It is proper mm. professional rugby salaries. Uh, boys living in Jersey, getting paid peanuts. I don't know how they even survive. Uh, you hear stories all the time about boys getting injured and clubs just not paying them. What are they going to do? They don't have money to go get a lawyer. And you hear lowly that is proper proper. Um, professional rugby in there and it's a shame to see uh, that yeah. they're, they're going to have even less money to operate a club but it's half this is like i just i, I just don't get it like they are a few okay if there is a money issue or they need to make changes and you know that maybe they want to invest in the women's game great if that's what the, the road that they want to go down but i'm just like literally the foundations right is it the foundations of grassroots rugby I don't know. I'd say it's the soul. I would say there's a large part of rugby's soul lives in the championship. That's what I think. And it's it's a last chance saloon for players. It is, yeah. Even I'd be really interested to see how many Irish players for the past 10 years haven't got their contract renewed to the provinces and have gone over and just thought, you know, I'll, I'll, I think of guys like uh, Michael Heaney, who's going right at Worcester. He went to Doncaster and they go upwards and onwards. You know, this is how, this is where people go. They're not, you know, I'm not quite convinced i won't end up being a pro with the last roll of the dice so from an irish point of view it would be sad to see it sort of dwindle even further it's like ian, uh, ian witten and yeah. steenson they did it with exeter, exeter. irish boys uh, but then I, I think one of the complaints was about them trying to produce players that will go into the premiership and go into play for england and i think what has changed over the last four or five years the academies yeah, yeah. is the size of every premiership club's academy because they've got more money to invest in it so they focus on the, all those players so these championship clubs and it's, it's kind of a hard thing for those championship clubs to do because premiership academies have got much bigger and they've got more funding therefore they're producing the players Whereas the championship clubs are a bit of a feeder, you know, you can go on loan to them, or you know, you might. Yeah, get there's a relationship between clubs with them, and and, and and that's the, that's the hard point. Those championship clubs don't have the funds to have a big academy. Whereas if you're a 16 year old kid who's pretty decent and you live in Bedford, 
you're thinking I'm going to go to Northampton Saints Academy. You're not thinking Bedford Academy, are you? No. And that's the you know that's where it's very unfair, I think, on the championship. Club. I just don't think I just don't know where it's going. Like that's the thing. So they've lost half the money, and who knows? Damien Quirk has tweeted in: Is Bassero going to end his career playing at Loosehead? Sweet mother of belly monster! Did you see? <laughs> did you see the stuff on social? The size oh, of the man. Why has that oh. been horrible to my mate? You, mate, literally, if there was ever a Yabastero, it's now. Um, number eight, he's running to the bin man, and the bin man's put him into next week, even though Yabastero is five stone heavier. My lordy lord. Uh, he's, lucky, he's lucky the stripes don't go around him. Yeah. They're vertical stripes as opposed to it's horizontal stripes. You don't wear a white yeah. No, you don't wear, yeah. no, not with them nipples. I mean, Goody's nipples either. You can see the whole thing, the the, the olive oil eye or whatever it is. Right? Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> but my word, it is uh, it is stretched to the absolute max. So you can even, see. He's just enjoying life. Mate, oh, he's he gone is, to the mate. Big Apple and he's eating uh, he's the Big Apple. He's yes, eating mate. the Big Apple, boys. Yes. Have you guys got any rumours floating around? Oh, uh, Joe Worsley, he's been knocking about a bit on TV, hasn't he? Yeah. Saw him looking uh, cold. BBC, yeah. Yeah, looking cold last week in Paris. Um, Wasps. Really? I'll find out on Friday anyway. I'll just walk around the stadium. I'm from Cov, aren't I? It's it's interesting. You you talk about, and and you tweeted about it, didn't you, James? What? The the odds of the next DOR for Wasps. Mate, 100 to (laughs) 1. Jim Hamilton's 100 to 1. Andy Goose, 20 to 1. Ahead of Ian McGeekin. We got oh. better odds than Gage. Oh, I'm not surprised. He's, mate, he's Love Mr. Ruggers. <laughs> Love Gage, mate. Um, who's put that out there? Hundred to one for me. It's on Paddy Power, I think. Yeah. So Joe Worsley. I mean, who knows? It'd be interesting to see where Wasps go. Um, and I'm, as I said, I'm going to dig on Friday night when I'm there with the Kovskins dressed as morph suits. Any other rumours flying around? Anything else about Wasps? I know, what you're uh, no, I don't know anything. Um, what about Rob Howley? Well, that's all gone quiet. I uh, don't know anything. Mm. I think they're going to speak to a lot of people. Let's just put it mm. that way. Good okay. job. Johnny made a Newcastle. Absolutely no chance. Right, I will let's uh, finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you've got a new sponsor this week that Jim might be interested in, Goody. Is that right? Oh. Yeah, Sons are on board, and they're a men's health brand that helps guys with one of the key health issues that people don't often like to talk about. Hey, Jim, about how to keep their hair. Oh, I thought you were talking about my toenails, but yeah, that's fine. Well, Sun's actually delivered a lovely package to my home, and I have not yet opened it. Why? Um, I'm in denial. Okay. I'll be honest. When you I get home, get home today. Yeah, I'm going to open it. So, big shout out to Sun's. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm shouting out to them. If it grows back, genuinely, I will walk to the house and shake the man's hand. They provide a range of pharmaceutically licensed and medically proven products for preventing hair loss that deliver results in over 9 out of 10 men for a reasonable monthly cost and no hidden costs or charges. You can take a free online consultation with a specialist physician in less than two minutes and their pharmacy will deliver to you within a few days. So show hair loss who's boss and go to sons.co.uk and use the code RUGBYPOD10 to get your first month for just 10 quid. That's S-O-N-S dot co dot UK, and the code is RUGBYPOD10. 10. Here we go. I ain't showing anyone my ad on consultation. That's all I know. I can't it down. You need all the help you can get, Jim. Anyway, yeah, let's start off with Good. Uh, fair bit of Good as ever in the rugby world this week. Let's start off in the Premiership. Uh, and we'll go to Exeter Friday night, and especially Stuart Hogg. Wet weather rugby, it doesn't suit his hair because he's got that little island still where he's, it's not taken properly. He's hidden up the Glasgow Warriors, aka Leopard spots as well. We didn't see them. Yeah, and no, I didn't see them. Didn't see them. But Hoggy uh, returned. Exeter were triumphant, uh, an outstanding performance by him. Uh, and his finish and his banter for his trial was outstanding. Uh, we'll stay in the Premiership. Uh, Bristol's. 
Their second half comeback against Saints. Mm. Pretty impressive. Callum Sheedy with a break. Henry Purdy, shout out to Championship Rugby. He's on loan from Coventry. Mate, ridiculous. Gloucester sacked him off. Wheels. Uh, he did really well when he came on, actually. So, uh, well done them. Uh, London Irish, a dominant win at Harlequins. Oh. Uh, bonus point. Outstanding performance from them. That was pretty good. Uh, what else was good? We're going to mention Saracens for two reasons. Firstly, their on-field performance. Uh, they were pretty special and powerful again, but that no. doesn't matter. Yeah, no. It's no. all about their off-field and what they did about what happened on the field because um, it's absolutely outstanding and an amazing gesture that they offered uh, £1,000 per try scored uh, as a donation to Michael Fatialofa. Um, so that's an awesome thing for Saracens to do. I think they raised seven grand in the end, if I've done my maths right, or they're going to give seven grand. So uh, big shout out to them for doing something good. But the good this week is going to go to a team that have featured many times, many, many, many times in the bad. Hashtag always Edinburgh? No, they get a mention. The Ospreys. Whoa! The Ospreys get the good. Having lost 13 games on the spin, they finally get the W over the mighty Ulster. No comment. Oh, Darren Cave, oh anything to say about that? Shocking, Jim. Yeah, but... Absolute shock. Tip the slipper to Ospreys. Yeah. 13 defeats on the spin, then you get a victory against yeah, the Champions okay. Cup quarter-finalist Ulster. It was a shocking game. <laughs> All right, mate. No Let comment. Go, mate. Let no it comment. go. So tip of the slipper to uh, the Ospreys. Well done, them. Uh, the bad. Uh, we'll start off on Friday night and Gloucester's lack of discipline. I think what they've been doing is reviewing games from when Jim was captain and taking it to the point of just giving penalty after penalty mate, away. Val Rapava Ruskin, mate. Oh, my penalties. Just clumsy. Yeah. Just, no, no need. No need, no need. Uh, so their discipline was pretty poor uh, at home. Um, we'll go over to France. Of course, we will in the bad. And Poo, I mean, sorry, I mean Poe. Uh, they've now lost six on the spin in the top 14 after losing to Claremont at home. So that's pretty bad. Is Conrad Smith still there? No, he's retired, isn't he? Yeah, he's coaching. Coaching? Coaching. 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 Uh, what else was bad? Harlequins, James. I mean, how can I not agree? Exactly. So uh, whenever they lose, Jim insists that I put them in the bad. Yeah, no. So Harlequins go in the bad no, this week. Mine. It's not oh, my Jim. segment. Uh, what else was bad? Wayne Barnes. Anyone see Wayne Barnes? Oh, on the my weekend? gloves. Oh my. He's got like ski gloves on and he's the assistant referee. Full tracksuit, ski gloves, the lot. Can um, you say toughen up or not? I mean, I'm, you can. Yeah, toughen, toughen up, Wayne up Barnes. He, I did message him and he said he's a delicate soul. But no, Barnsley, I know you listen to the pod. You're in the bad this week. It's got nothing to do with the soul. You don't need to wear gloves like that. I you mean, don't. For all the people that came back at me on Twitter, oh, you used to wear gloves when you played. Yeah, mine were fingerless and I got paid to wear them. There's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> but what else was bad? Uh, Saints second half showing uh, after being 14-0 up. Um, they'll be pretty frustrated with that. Talking about the game at Franklin's Gardens. Oh, my. A couple of the lids that were on show. A couple of the hairdos. We'll start off with uh, a fellow Coventry skin. With the old Slipknot. Oh, Tom Topknot Wood. Woody, what are you doing? You're 39 years of age. It was only top knot for about 30 minutes as well, and then someone pulled it out and at the elastic band. Oh, my top knot, Tom Wood. Uh, that was pretty bad. But also, do you see Lewis Thede's hair? Mm. He's gone for like the dyed blonde Mohican, really short. It must be good. I mean, he looks absolutely hanging, but he did score a try, to be fair to him. I think it's his first try ever. Uh, so congrats to him, but your hair's in the bad. Uh, what else is the bad? Southern Kings thumped 68 points to three. My to goodness, yeah. The second best team in Ireland, Munster. Easy. Yeah, sorry about that, Darren. Uh, that was pretty bad. Uh, but the bad this week, I'm sorry, it's going to Trevor Fisher, the TMO for the Leicester versus Wasps game. Uh, we found out Tom Youngs has been cited for his clear punch to the face. 
Apparently, Trevor Fisher was out the back having a poo when it was all going on or <laughs> eating biscuits at the same time. So he missed it. It was a clear red card offence. I just don't know when you can see everything clearly on BT Sport how the TMO can miss it like that. I blame Dix's son for not holding his right hand, which is the one that Tom used. That's mm. fair. So that's the bad this week. Um, the ugly is the whole fallout around the RFU cutting championship clubs funding in half. Um, it's not a good look. The timing's pretty bad. The RFU have obviously got their reasons for it, but everything that's come around the game and been spoken about on this subject is fairly ugly. So that's the ugly this week. Thanks, Scooty. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, KV. And thank you for listening as well. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out our Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. Rugby pod. Rugby pod. Pod, pod, pod.